Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that makes sure it's across every story in the property world. And today we're asking, has the pressure on private landlords gone too far? You know, there is a massive amount of uh, regulation out there for private landlords uh, to comply with. And if you haven't heard of it yet, you soon will. How big a deal is the planned scrapping of Section 21? One of the things that I see happening is that landlords will become much more choosy and discerning. And so I think that will penalise the people that they're actually trying to help. I'm Guy Ruddle and I'm joined by three people steeped in the world of residential lettings. Jane Cronwright-Brown is Head of Lettings at Savills. Jane, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Teresa Wallace is Head of Compliance for Lettings. I didn't know there was such a thing, Teresa. Yes, there is, Guy. Good. Welcome to you. And last but not least, we've managed to keep him out of the studio for a little while, but there's no holding Lucian Cook back. He's back again. Savile's Head of Residential Research. Lucian, welcome back. How are you? It's a pleasure to be back. Looking forward to it again. Good. Right. So, private landlords and lettings is our subject today. What's happening in the market? Because the, the, the number of people wanting to rent privately uh, is going up, right? But the is it true that the sort of number of people in the market offering it, the number of landlords is going down? Yeah, if you were to look at a measure like the RICS, that would suggest that the number of tenant inquiries continues to go up across the market as a whole. Yet the number of or the the number of stock, the amount of stock coming to the market is trickling. That's creating a bit of a gap. Um, that's putting a bit of pressure on rents, um, although not perhaps as dramatic as some people would think. I think given that you've generally got a rental sector which is undersupplied, rents are capped by affordability um, as much as anything else. The other thing I suppose that's changing, and this is really behind a lot of the legislative changes that we're seeing is that the profile um, of tenants is changing quite dramatically. So no longer confined to the under 35s, lots of younger families or even uh, slightly older people renting, people renting for longer life stages. And that just changes the demands that are put on the private rented sector. And is that what you see, Jane, when you're when you're out there? Because we sort of hear these anecdotes about how you know, people, no one can afford, not no one, but you know what I mean, no one can afford to buy a house anymore, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're certainly seeing that. And actually, having been in the industry for such a long time, um, we now see that it's it's completely commonplace for people to be renting. And as Lucien has just said, you know, it may be that actually they have no intention to buy. It's not so much the affordability. They just want to be flexible. They want to be able to move from one um, part of London or even the country to another. So the whole reasons that people are, are renting has, has completely changed. And we need to build 300,000 new homes a year uh, in the whole country as it is. So if you were a bearer of very little brain like me, you would imagine that government policy, Teresa, would be about making it easier for people to be landlords, uh, to provide this, this accommodation. That's not the case. You'd like to think it was the case, but you're correct. No, it isn't. I think they're making it much harder with so much legislation that they are heaping on the private rented sector and the costs for landlords now, we are seeing landlords exiting, which is a real concern in a growing market where we've got so many tenants looking for property. And I think we may even see more exiting with the changes that could be coming in the near future. So let's have a look then at, at, at the changes that have happened recently that have that have led to a sort of a, a downturn in, in right landlords. And perhaps I should start with, you know, Landlords, they don't get a, they get a bad rap, don't they? And there are some landlords out there who are, you know, 
Not great, Jane. And, and you know, we it's not a one-way thing, is it? You know, tenants need to be protected from bad landlords, right? Absolutely. And actually, as often um, with um, uh, changes in legislation, it's been brought about to protect um, those tenants who unfortunately are in, in properties where the landlords aren't looking after them and they are, you know, they're asking them to leave at very short notice and, and there is definitely a need to to protect those tenants. And that's obviously the, the, the good reasons why um, this leg- legislation has come about. But unfortunately, it, it, it is so far ranging, it affects the masses and then has the detrimental effect of, um, you know, turning landlords, you know, off of investing in the market and then... We will have less supply, so it's a it's a, um, a sort of circle that we keep coming back to. And, so, and I think I think therein, you know, there is a bit of a problem. The private rented sector is not short of regulation. You know, there is a massive amount of uh, regulation out there for private indeed. landlords uh, to comply with. Yet, because the sector is fundamentally undersupplied, there isn't enough private rented stock available to give the tenants the choice that they want to have affordable private rented accommodation. Because there's that undersupply, essentially you can find those rogue landlords operating at the fringes of the market. So however much regulation there is, because there's not enough supply, they're kind of getting away with it. And I think it's very difficult then to get a lot of that regulation enforced. But of course, the problem it creates is that if you like all all landlords get tarred with the same brush. So let's talk a little bit more then about regulation. And I promise in a minute we will talk about Section 21, but uh, which sounds like it's, you know, I don't know, maybe it sounds like a place. What's that? Is that Area 51 in America where (laughs) the CIA or all sorts of things happen? Uh, Section 21 we will come to in a moment. But you were talking earlier, uh, Theresa, about the, the regulation that's already been brought in that's made it harder for private landlords. What sorts of things are we talking about? I think besides the changes in tax, we've had various different um, legislation come in. We've also had licensing schemes. And licensing schemes, I actually think, are the most unworkable systems that have been brought in for landlords because they are so inconsistent. Can you explain what a property licensing scheme is? I can. There are three sorts. There are HMOs, which are houses in multiple occupation, additional licensing schemes and selective licensing schemes. And they, they're meant to supply a safe property, which you know we're very supportive that every property should meet a minimum standard. And, and it doesn't. But licensing is not achieving that. It's not meeting its objective. So I think licensing schemes are very expensive and are very difficult for landlords, very difficult not to break the law because you don't know when they're coming in. You don't. Lots of landlords are just not aware of them. We've had the tenant fee ban and the idea of that, of course, was to help tenants to be able to move because of not being able to afford tenant fees. But I think it was a mistake to do a complete outright ban because what happens is, of course, the way that the circle will work is that if agents are losing fees, they need to replace them somewhere and that will go on to the landlord who in turn, you know, is going to put that It's not going to make it rent. cheaper. Some, no, it's, one it's not. It's not. A thought occurs to me, as representatives of mainly landlords, I guess, but also tenants, in, you know, you, you sit in the middle, don't you, as, as, as a... As Savills, you know, you you have a responsibility for for both sides. But uh, what do you do about all this? Are, are you, do you sort of you know sit on your hands, go hey ho, such is the world, or or is the stuff that you can do to influence what's being done? 
We certainly don't sit on our hands and we're very busy doing as much as we possibly can. We're engaging with government advisors. We're meeting with ministers. We are we complete all of the consultations, of which there are many, on the private rented sector on various parts of it. And there is a, a group that I chair, the Lettings Industry Council, and we are very much engaged with government on a two-way conversation, giving them the facts of what actually happens in practice and how the changes that they make actually affect the tenants and the landlords out there. Now, I imagine that one of the things that in that role that you were just talking about, Teresa, one of the things that you uh, and Savills generally is talking to government about is Area 50, no, not Area 50, (laughs) Section 21. So who wants to explain what the abolition of Section 21 is all about? I'm definitely going to hand that one to Theresa. (laughs) (laughs) Go on then. Okay, so under Theresa May, they announced that they were going to ban Section 21. And what that actually means really is getting rid of assured shorthold tenancies. So your tenancy would be open-ended. You wouldn't be able to end your tenancy unless you could provide um, hard evidence and there would need to be specific reasons that you could get your property back. Oh, sorry. Let me. Inter- when you say you, you mean the landlord. Absolutely. So, the, the landlord. Uh, so, how? What sort of impact is that going to have, Jane? On your market? Well, we're already seeing it um, in that landlords are concerned that they're not going to be able to get their properties back. And and whilst um, the consultation is suggesting there's going to be. Um, you know, pretty good reasons for them to get their property back. They may have to go to court to do so. And, you know, having started in the industry at the beginning of the 90s when the 88 Housing Act came in, I know firsthand what a big difference that made to the industry and that it made people enter the market. And my fear is that this is going to do completely the opposite. You know, if you own a property and you're fearful for one reason or another that you can't get it back, you're probably not going to keep it. You're going to sell it. But the, the, there are provisions in in this. I, I mean, and I should say this is what we're not at the stage of this is you know going through the uh, through Parliament yet. I mean, there's still a consultation period, right? They, everyone's still talking to each other about it. Am I right? No, the consultation is actually on how to implement it. The decision right. was made based on a consultation on longer term tenancies. So that's what we all thought we were responding to, and then they suddenly announced that actually we're going to abolish Section Twenty Ones. And so now the consultation, which is just closing, is about how can we do that? How can we implement it? But if so, if, uh, if you're looking at, it, looking at it from the other side, not from the landlord's side, you you know, if if a landlord wants, I'm just going to sort of trot through some of the detail of it because I, I've done a little bit of research, you see. Um, if a landlord wants to move into the property themselves, move back into the property themselves, for instance, or wants to sell it, they can say, right, you're out because I'm selling it. They can't be stopped from doing that, right? You can't just say it. You've got to provide hard evidence to prove that's what you're going to do. And that's one of the things that they're talking about now is how they can guarantee that would happen. Right. I I, I mean, I suppose from a tenant's perspective, that seems sensible because actually what you don't want to have is any kind of Mm. system where there's just a whole series of loopholes. They can find a loophole. Um, And I suppose the ability, the fact that you can or you should be able to get back possession, particularly when you want to sell the property, means that essentially you have got liquidity in your investment. At the point at which you want to realise the sale price of that investment, you're able to do so. I suppose what's critical in all of that is there being an effective procedure for landlords to be able to get back the property 
both in those circumstances and in other circumstances when there is a breach in the terms of the tenancy agreement, when there's persistent delay in paying rent, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Um, And there, what we've seen historically, I suppose, is there are measures in place, but it is a fairly painful process for the landlord to be able to get back the property. And they often incur Mm. fairly substantial financial losses during that period. And they are losses. There isn't an effective court system at the moment. So we know there will be an increase. um, And at the moment, we do not have a court system that can cope with it. But one of the things that I see happening is that landlords will become much more choosy and discerning about the tenants that they're going to to choose, i.e. if they've got somebody earning a really good income, maybe compared to somebody not earning not such a good income, they're going to go with the safer bet. And so I think that will penalise the people that they're actually trying to help. Now, Savile Standout Statistic time. Can't come on the podcast without delivering your Savile Standout Statistic, I'm afraid. Uh, let's start with Lucian. Because uh, he's head of research, so he should have numbers coming out of his He has got numbers coming I out do, of his And I do like numbers. Go you on, know, I do, do like, and I quite like big numbers, it has to be said. So, look, in the period since the beginning of 2016, uh, we've had, in the buy-to-let sector, the mortgage buy-to-let sector, there's been about 280,000 new mortgages granted. So people are still coming into that sector um, and buying property. But whilst 280,000 have come in, the amount of mortgages outstanding in that period has only gone up by 140,000. So that means some some others must have come out the other end. Some people must have redeemed their mortgages or sold their stock. And that number, of course, is the remaining 140,000. So up to 140,000 mortgage landlords have come out of the market since 2016 because of some of the pressures that we've talked about um, in the market today. Jane, what's yours? My standout statistic is something that perhaps people don't really know, that in order for us to get um, a tenancy or an agreement through from beginning to the point where they move into the property, we have to do 127 different points on our checklist. That's how complicated it is now with all of these changes that we have to to deal with. Really? Teresa? My outstanding statistic, of course, has to be compliance-based. Of course and, it does. Oh, my voice went a bit weird there. <laughs> and so mine is the fact that as a letting agent, we have to comply with over 425 different pieces of legislation that affect the private rented sector. And you're now going to list all 400. If you'd like me to, have <laughs> you got what? time? <laughs> I think not. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. Thank you all for your wisdom. Thank you for being here. And if all that is done is leave you thinking you need to know more about the rental or the lettings sector, then uh, the Savills website research section, savills.co.uk slash research, all sorts of things there, including fresh new out the prime rental market in minutes report. Uh, And if you aren't already a subscriber to Real Estate Insights and want to become one, then please do. You can do so using your usual podcast provider. In the meantime, thank you for listening, including to me with a slightly croaky voice. See you next time. 
This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.